We've arrived at the last episode of season two. This season, we've tackled quite a few of the challenges that the industry is currently facing, and I feel like this is a really important episode to end the season with. Today, we have Christina Mahler from Crew Collaborative and Steel Toe Co. with us, and we'll be discussing workforce development. Although we're hearing about this issue a lot right now, it's not new. Developing the next generation of construction professionals is something that's been looming for quite a while, and Christina is helping to kick off a new way of thinking about approaching the topic. We're excited to share the work that she's doing today in the hopes of building a brighter future for construction. Good morning. It's uh, it's lovely to talk with you today, Christina. Um, if you're able to give just a quick introduction about yourself for our audience, that would be wonderful. Uh, my name is Christina Mahler. I run two organizations, one of which is Steel Toe Consulting, um, where I consult small business owners on how to get out of their own way, get out of their comfort zone, and just grow their businesses and just leave more, lead more quality lives. Um, and then I also run Crew Collaborative. I'm the executive director. It's a nonprofit. And we are focused on empowering the next generation of construction. Um, we do this with some unique tactics, which we'll probably get into. Um, and then I'm also a single mom of two young kids, and I live out in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I kind of want to start off with you. So you clearly, through all of your work, through all of the projects you've taken on, your passion for the construction industry is really clear. Where does that passion come from? Like, where did that start for you? Um, so I have a unique uh, professional history. I didn't come up in construction. I, I went to Iowa State, and after college, I became a live concert producer. Um, and so I ran festivals and concerts and was like a total undercover hippie. And um, then after that, I moved back home to Minnesota and became a high-end jeweler. So I was designing like insane diamond rings and just super creative and created quite a name for myself here in the local um, community. Um, but about seven years into that, I was dating a uh, tile setter and uh, realized that my sort of blunt, um, straightforward way of doing things that had always kind of like hindered me a little bit in jewelry. Um, although some people appreciate honesty, um, some people usually, usually want to get into the fantasy, yep. <laughs> um, but I'm just very straightforward, pragmatic, and I just enjoyed construction people. Um, and I'd always had this, um, you know, the stigma in my head of what construction people were supposed to be like and found more and more that that was not the case. Um, so I made a huge leap um, in about 2012 or 10, um, something around there. <laughs> Roughly. And I left, yeah, I left um, a really successful partnership um, doing jewelry and became the director of a membership over at the local home builders association. And my passion has always been, um, with the people working in the actual field. Um, so with that job, I was kind of like still in the, the office space more than, um, the field space. Um, but I was always working hard to connect that kind of communication between leadership and, um, the people actually out in the field, Yep, the people performing uh, the work versus the people mm -hmm. making the decisions in the office. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was especially passionate after after coming from more of a like um, white collar industry um, 
I had always, always had kind of, not always, but I had a lot of unpleasant experiences with men in those industries, you know, in the boardrooms, um, in that kind of like safe area or whatever. And I found that the stigma surrounding construction workers was so off base because every site I was ever on, it was very family oriented, very, um, teamwork oriented and just the most respectful people I'd ever met, you know, when comparing them to other experiences. So that kind of fueled my passion more than anything. That's awesome. I, I think it's, it's, one of the things that I'm learning as I'm talking more and more with people that have like found their home in construction is almost nobody has taken like a clear shot path to where they're at. Everybody's got an interesting backstory. Everybody's had other experiences that have kind of colored their perception of the world and their perception of the industry. And and I help, I think it really helps people to bring something to the industry. Like when people find a home here, they tend to come with some great things um, in their background that help them today. Um, Now, so today (laughs) for you, although you've had a very interesting path to get here, you also have an interesting story now too with what you're doing. And um, you're doing talks across the country. You're speaking with a lot of different people at a lot of different levels within organizations. do you have like a, a favorite topic that you kind of find yourself coming back to as you're getting into these situations where you're speaking with people in the industry? Um, you know, it's probably workforce development um, seems to be the topic that I always fall back on or it's kind of like my comfort zone. Um, ever since I entered the industry, there has been such a struggle to get people into the industry and it's getting worse and worse. And as somebody coming in from the outside, a lot of the problems for workforce development and construction to me are super obvious. You know, the problem lies with it, within our lack of, what's the best way to say this? Our lack of, of responsibility, of responsibility around the problem. So, we have a lot of leaders in construction who talk a lot about our workforce development problems and that nobody's coming into construction and they spend a lot of time blaming outside problems on it. You know, like, Oh, millennials don't want to work or um, the government did this, or it's just impossible to do this. And, and at the end of the day, nobody's writing in to solve this problem for us. There is nobody coming to our rescue. Um, so it's frust- frustrating to see an industry full of hard workers who are always solving their own problems. They're w- working their asses off, you know, every day on a job site, um, but they don't seem to take ownership of this workforce development problem. And so that's an area that I tend to dig into. And I pr- probably piss some people off, you know, with the way I speak about it. Um, but I also feel like if there's a problem, then we just need to solve it as opposed to talking about it and talking doesn't do anything. And so when I'm speaking to business owners and when I'm doing um, my speeches across the country, generally I'm talking about how can you take this problem and create some tangible solutions in your community? Um, stop throwing money at marketing images, you know, stop, you know, trying to put a bandaid on it actually get out of your office and do something about it. And so that's really my focus. What's the response that you typically get when you, when you 
are approaching people in that way, right? I'm sure there's some people that are pretty receptive and, and are kind of coming to you because they, they need and want to hear that and they know it. And then others that maybe aren't expecting that, that response. What's, what's the like range of responses that you get? You know, um, generally I'm writing about it. So the responses aren't as, uh, recognizable, but when I was giving a speech recently and there was about 250 people in the room and, you know, it was all people in the age range of like 45 to 75, I would say, and white males for the most part, yeah. I'd say 90%, which is the industry. Um, and I said, you know, how many, let's hear what you guys think about millennials and their work ethic. And so, you know, we had people raising their hand, like, oh, they don't want to work. Um, they're lazy. Um, they just want to play video games, blah, blah, blah. And so after they finished saying that, I asked them to raise their hand, um, if they had children who were considered millennials. And so, you know, like three quarters of the audience raised their hand, um, because that's the generation yeah. right there. And I said, well, this is your fault. <laughs> and I left that hanging out there like, okay, this is our fault. You know, we're raising the, if we're raising these kids and you really feel this way about their whole generation, then this is our fault because it only falls on the parents. And the reactions I got ranged from like, you know, like, this is not my fault. You know, yeah. like my kids don't need to work hard. My kids need to be wrapped in bubble wrap type of thing, you know, cause that's, that's just the mindset. Right. Um, and then a lot of people were kind of like, okay, okay, um, that's something that I could take ownership for. And so it created at least discussion, mm -hmm. which is what I'm there for. And I, I'm not necessarily there to just make people feel bad. I'm, I want people to think about their role, um, you know, in creating the problem, but also in how we can solve the problem. Absolutely. Well, I think it's important to take that different perspective, right? So clearly this is not a new problem. This is a problem that has been building for a while. And yes, it's getting a lot of like airtime right now, but it didn't happen overnight. And so whatever strategies people have been using over the past few years to try to combat the issue, clearly they're not doing 100% of what they need to do. So it's important to take a different view of it. Maybe this is the right view. Maybe there'll be something else that pops up in another few months that we're like, oh, we didn't think of that either. Here, let's look at it from this angle. But just kind of pushing people's boundaries to think, hey, is there another way we could view this is the first step towards starting to come up with some solutions for how people can address it. Um, when it comes to some of the advice that you give companies that are in a spot where they're like, okay, we're ready to take ownership of this. We have a challenge that we're up against. We want to push through that. What are some of the things that you encourage people to either look at first or to start to try to like do to chip away at the workforce development issues? Um, so this really falls into the crew collaborative space. Um, you know, crew is unique in the fact that um, we started as a women in construction organization, and then we decided to kind of morph into a just workforce development organization because we've realized that a group of women standing in a group standing in a room with a group of women does nothing in an industry that is, you know, 95% male. Um, but we also know that the workforce needs women and minorities in order to solve our shortage. Yeah. And so we've re really focused on unique ways of um, engaging with communities. 
And so through classroom talks, mm -hmm. which is one thing that any business and any individual can get involved with, um, we put together groups of 10 to 12 individuals um, virtually, like on Zoom, since Zoom is, you know, the way we communicate now. Um, and we do a presentation to middle schoolers, high schoolers, um, tech schools, whatever. Um, eventually, we will also do it for um, transitioning military and people looking at second careers. Um, but we basically have each person, you know, whether it's an operator or a, an architect or an engineer or project manager or job soup or whatever, a laborer, um, talk about how they got into that job, um, the path that they took to get there and um, what they make. Because people don't really understand that these people are making really good yeah. money. Um, and so when I talk to people, I, I say, hey, you can either present with this stuff or you can take what we've already built and connect us with the schools in your community. And we can involve you with that or we can't, you know, you can just pass it off. But having that contact within your community and being present in your community as a positive role model, your business and whatever you're doing um, is only going to increase people's interest in construction. And, you know, showing up at just talking and, and showing pride in your industry, you know, like even if you're at a barbecue or, you know, a PTO meeting or is it the PTA? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> in it. But um, and just talking to other parents about how awesome construction is and just really showing pride in what we do. Um, construction in general, we are a humble industry. We don't like to talk about what we do. We don't like to talk about how hard we work. Um, but if there's ever a time to be loud and proud, it's now because we want people to know, you know, how much we love what we do and how much money we can make and how we affect the entire world. So, yeah, one of the things that I've noticed, even just through doing this podcast is how generous people are with their time and how much passion people have for the industry. And that shines through in the way that they talk about it. And I think that that is something that really you can absorb that. And it doesn't take long when someone's passionate about something to hear that, to see it and to like feed off of that and have it potentially spark something within you. So it's not like this needs to be something that, you know, you're giving 10 hours of your day and you're going and you're sitting in a classroom with kids and, and spending the whole 10 hours there, right? You can make a real impact in a short amount of time. And then, you know, mm -hmm. just being available for follow-up questions from people, being able to kind of get the word out is, is a huge impact. And all the people that you have working with you, are they're volunteering their time, I'm assuming, to do this? Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, we're getting paid by the reactions that we're getting from yeah. students, you know, like that's yeah. really the reward. The first classroom talk we did, like it was just kind of a weird idea I had during COVID, you know, my local high schools down the road. I have all, all these people who work in construction, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could just present to a class? So I reached out, we had 10 people on the call. I had like an operator. I had a, I had an engineer, I had a geologist and, you know, all these different jobs in construction. I had some residential people in there too. And the kids, of course, they're high schoolers. So they didn't say anything the whole call. And so we kind of were like, well, crap, that was a waste of time. <laughs> um, but then afterwards, the feedback that we got from these students was like, I had never considered that as a career. That would be, would be really cool to work in a machine all day and, and be, be able to actually change the, the, 
the structure of the land in the community, you know, or to build something up and be able to, to see it. And then we also had a lot of people who were like, I didn't realize how much I would actually use math after high mm-hmm. school. And so you're like that. <laughs> it's interesting too. Like I, math was never my subject. Right. But I look at people who use math practically very differently than like, you know, staring at a piece mm-hmm. of paper with formulas and equations on there, like versus being able to say like, calculate square footage in an instant, or, you know what I mean? There's so many different applications of it. And I think sometimes it makes so much more sense when you're actually using it for something practical. Um, And that's one of the things I love about the construction industry, whether you take a college path and you, you get into, you know, a construction management program or you, you know, become an engineer and you get into it that way, or you start straight from high school, you're going to use all of the skills that you've developed, but you're going to use them in really practical, hands-on ways. And that just, it, it almost like makes those concepts come more to life. Um, so it's interesting that you've, you've gotten that response so quickly. Is that something that you're, you're continuing to do now? Um, yeah, so crew has, so we're launching it nationwide pretty soon. We have a whole committee working on it. And the goal will be to um, do like five classroom talks a month. That's awesome. Um, and as we grow it out and as we grow our database of presenters and then schools, which schools are the hard thing to get in touch with, yep. right? like finding the right person at a school. Um, but once we've built that out, we just really feel like it's going to just run itself in a lot of ways. We'll have a couple people running it. Um, we also have our ambassador program, which is basically we want to develop thought leaders at every level of the construction industry, whether it's a laborer or a CEO, um, because we feel like those are the people that if we teach them the best way to talk about construction as a career and make make it so they're comfortable speaking about mm-hmm. it, that they'll go out into their communities and, like I said, just talk to anybody who will listen about construction. That's so. a, I love that. You guys are doing some really great things now. And I think you're right. Some of this stuff is going to snowball. Where do you see Crew Collaborative in like five years? Do you have any like long-term goals for the project that you're you're starting to chip away at? Yeah, I mean, like in all reality, um, we we're still a startup right now. Um, you know, we just incorporated in December. We've been very lucky to last December. Um, we've been very lucky to have some really large organizations taken interest in what we're doing. Um, we've got sponsorships for two years with Caterpillar and Toro and case equipment and shell oil that are all on board. And they've been fantastic in the fact that they've said, we know you don't have it all figured out right now, but we also know if anybody's going to do it, that you guys are going to be the ones to figure it out. And so we're lucky to have that patience from our sponsors. Um, What's been really cool is, our board of directors, which is 20 people basically across the country in all different sectors of the construction industry, we are all super passionate about how we're going to push this forward. So we've got those two programs, which will be doing their hard launches here in the first quarter of 2022. Um, and then from there, we're planning on really growing out like a mentorship program. Um, we want to have some sort of tie into a job board at some point. We want to have forums. We want to have mission partners. Um, we want to put together a foundation where we can provide scholarships for people mm-hmm. to do the training. Um, and one thing I'll say, and that I say any time I do a speech or a podcast, is if there are any organi- organizations out there 
that are doing parallel work to what we are doing with crew, um, I would encourage them to get in touch with me because we are working on what I would call like a revolution of combining the efforts of a lot of these organizations that are doing this similar mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're running parallel to each other and creating a lot of redundancy and and using the same resources. Um, and so I'm trying to talk with a few of these other organizations about how we can come together and create a larger mission as opposed to all kind of running at our own goals yep. um, and owning it. Because if we're just trying to own it, own it ourselves, that's because of ego. If we're actually working on the mission um, of creating a stronger workforce for construction, then we should be doing it together. Yeah, I think that's a great point. My next question was going to be if people are interested, whether it's volunteering their time or, you know, they have a good connection with a local high school and they're, they're in the industry and they want to help you get you know, connected to that, what are the best ways for people to reach out to you? Um, well, LinkedIn is great for me. Um, Christina Mahler, just like it says on the, whatever you're listening to right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, otherwise you can find crew collab at crewcollab.org. Um, we are also pretty active on Instagram, which is where we started the whole shebang. Um, we are unique in the fact that it's, Every board member on our board is an influencer in their certain space. Um, Gives us quite a unique reach. Um, And so connect with us, um, find us and let's do it. Awesome. We have a couple of questions that we've been asking all of our podcast guests this season. So I would love to run through those quickly with you, um, see how your answers stack up to everyone else's. But um, I think we've kind of covered it from your side of things for the first question, which is what do you think the biggest challenge is right now in the industry? Um, I'm assuming you would think that that's something to do with workforce development, but please feel free to refute me here. Um, you know, I think it's just that ownership of problems. Um, you know, we work hard physically and we work hard on improving the overall landscape, physical landscape of our, of our, of our country, but how do we improve the lives of our workers? Um, how do we improve our workforce development efforts? And that all comes down to working together. Um, I'm all about uncomfortable conversations and how to um, move things progressively. Awesome. What do you think the next like five years of the industry is going to look like if you could kind of take out your crystal ball? Um, honest, honestly, I feel like we are at the beginning of a revolution. I, I feel, feel like there's a lot of people who are tired of the way that we, we've been looked at. Um, and when I say we, I mean, I am not a... I don't work in the trenches. Um, I, I consider myself an industry ap- amplifier. I'm a, a super fan. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who are tired of the way that construction has been perceived mm-hmm. and that it looks like a non-technology forward industry when really we are pretty hardcore into technology. Um, and I think that's just going to continue to grow. Um, but I think it's going to be fantastic. Um just talking this morning actually with um, some of the people from Con Expo, which is a lot of people know what Con Expo is, yep. um, stuff that they have on their radar for 2023 really says a lot to me about what's happening in the industry and what's coming next. So I'm excited. I agree. Um, if you could give like one piece of advice to somebody that's thinking about a career in construction, what would you tell them? Do it. <laughs> uh, Simple. I, do uh, it. <laughs> 
I mean, find something that, that you're passionate about and don't go into construction if you're not passionate about construction, yeah. but like there are so many different things you can do, whether it's marketing or administrative work or, you know, welding or woodworking or, you know, architecture. There's so many different creative things you can do, but there's also a lot of things in technology that you can do. And, you know, these kids are super good at video games and actually that's going to be a really great skill moving forward for a lot of things based in construction. Um, so I would say just, just do it and be open to the idea of trying something outside the box. Love it. Um, and I completely agree with you on that point. I think a lot of the skill sets that younger generations have right now that people sometimes have a hard time viewing as a skill set, like video games doesn't maybe seem like a skill set to a lot of people, but those things mm -hmm. translate so well into a lot of the technology side of things. And it's just an inherent knowledge and comfortability with the tools and, and makes it really easy to adapt. So I completely agree with you there. Um, where do you go for industry insights? So obviously you're putting out a lot of thoughts into the industry, but where do you go if you're, you know, looking for information on a topic that you're not as familiar with? Um, I really like to pull from the people I know that are doing the mm -hmm. work. Um, so we've created quite a community on LinkedIn and on Instagram of people that you can just literally, literally ask a question to. Um, and I'm big on just putting questions out there and seeing what I get as far as an answer goes. So I love utilizing just my network that I've built. Um, I'm not, I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I don't read a lot of industry news. Um, I really just prefer to go directly to the source. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if you could see anybody else interviewed on this podcast, who would you, who would you pick? Um, I would love to see Jennifer Todd on here. Um, she owns LMS contractors. And then another friend of mine, um, Ryan Chrisman, he is a grader and he has some really great insight as to um, what needs to change in the industry. And then another friend of mine named Alicia Brenzel, who runs Brex Enterprises out of in Pennsylvania would be fantastic. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you really looking forward to seeing what comes out of Crew Collaborative in the next you know, few months as you're getting even more initiatives off the ground um, and certainly in the next few years. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today, Christina. Thank you for having me. There's a lot to look forward to right now. It's shaping up to be a year of change for the construction industry. Hopefully change that will help move the industry forward. Over the course of this season, we've heard from a wide variety of experts in the field, and it seems clear that combating labor shortages, adopting new technology, and placing a strong emphasis on workforce development and training are going to be critical in the year to come. I'm so appreciative of the time that each guest took to come on and talk with us this season. It shows just how passionate they are about making a difference and helping others overcome some of the most challenging issues we're up against right now. Trying new tactics is going to be key to getting this balance right. And I hope over the course of this season, we've presented a few new ways of thinking about the challenges you might be facing on a day-to-day -day basis. Thanks for joining us for another season of Get a Load of This. We've really enjoyed getting to know all of our guests and hope that you have too. Please remember to subscribe so you're notified when new episodes are dropped in the future. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, this is your host, Elizabeth, signing off.